any romantic notions I had of this eco chic kind of boutique retreat center were definitely torn apart in a good way. You know, I think the jungle tore me apart so that it could build me up stronger. Namaste and welcome. I'm Vettina Blumenthal and you're listening to the Soul Compass podcast. I'm here to help you find your inner calm and deepen your self-discovery journey. Take this moment and focus on yourself, for your mental health, your ability to find ease in your everyday life, and your emotional well-being. It is so important that you nourish yourself not only physically, but also emotionally and mentally. Here at Soul Compass, you'll learn practical tips from experts who will leave you with a sharper focus and a renewed commitment to yourself. Hello and welcome to the 14th Soul Compass episode. I'm Vettina, and I think at this point you can call me V. We're friends now. I am excited to share this episode with you. Just like all the other episodes, we've had some pretty awesome guests on the podcast. But today's guest is just such an authentic soul. She's so genuine, so kind, but also super real. We love to keep it real on the podcast. And that being said, you know I love to share stories. Hopefully you can find something within the story that relates back to you and your journey. And I'll be honest with you, I have made so many mistakes. I failed so many times along my journey. And... At first, it felt like I was being kicked to the ground and I would get back up. And then I'd be kicked again, I'd fall to the ground, and then I'd get back up. And then it just started feeling like a push. I'd still fall, but I wasn't kicked, let's be clear. (laughs) And I'd get back up. And still to this day, I can feel the push when I've made a mistake or when I failed or something didn't work out. But it doesn't affect me emotionally as much as it did when I first started my business, especially. There's been so many mistakes in where I've spent my time and energy, where I've spent my resources. The lessons that I've been able to learn in my failures and my mistakes, I think have been actually more progressive and helped me evolve more as an individual than any of my wins, although wins feel internally a lot better. You know the saying, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And a lot of my, especially when I first started in building Wonderful Soul specifically, I wanted the outcomes so quickly. I wanted the business to grow quicker. I wanted myself to grow quicker. I just wanted everything to be on fast forward. And I don't know at what point my mindset changed because of course I've been hearing that saying for years. But to actually feel it in your body and believe that the journey is actually more important than the outcome is really hard to sit with. That's probably been one of the hardest lessons for me to learn. And it probably was at some point in so much deep suffering 
that I was causing for myself because I wasn't where I wanted to be, that I finally let go of that belief, that I was able to just fully be where I was at and be okay with that. So before we dive in, let's do a little check-in together. If you're seated on a chair, uncrossing your legs, planting the soles of the feet onto the earth, If you happen to be on the ground, finding a comfortable seated position. And if you're driving, just adjusting your spine so you're sitting up tall. And allow the hands, if it's safe, not when you're driving, to rest on your lap. Pressing into the sit bones and reaching tall through the crown of your head. Taking a deep inhale in through the nose. And on the exhale, allowing the shoulders to drop away from your ears. Taking three more breaths together. Taking a deep inhale. And exhale. Inhale. And exhale, relaxing the muscles in the face. Last time, inhale. Exhale to let it go. Just noticing where you're at today, in this moment, where you're at energetically. Emotionally. physically and just reminding yourself that you are perfect and whole exactly as you are in this moment nothing absolutely nothing needs to change just honoring exactly where you're at And whenever you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Now that I have you present, grounded in the moment, let's dive into this week's episode. My question for you is, have you ever dreamed of running away to live in the jungle? I think that's always been one of my dreams. (laughs) Do you instantly get visions of living a life just like Tarzan, swinging from the trees and being one with your surroundings? Well, to be honest, maybe it's not exactly as romantic as that, but my guest today, Tamara Jacoby, has certainly found her place in the jungle. The story of how Tamara came to open the Tailwind Jungle Lodge in San Pancho, Mexico, or San Francisco, Mexico, with her parents as her business partners at only 22 years old, is certainly not a story you'd hear often. As a fresh-faced college graduate, Tamara found herself at the fork in the road trying to decide between a corporate job on Wall Street, very shiny, or pursuing this passion project with her parents. I could only imagine how difficult that was. It wasn't an easy choice to make, but ultimately it came down to her asking one very important question. 
what would I regret more? And the rest is history. Now in their 13th season in the jungle, Tamara has no regrets. Although it's not all sunshine and rainbows as you'd expect in the jungle, As you'll discover from listening to Tamara on the podcast today, she is truly living a life that is aligned with her purpose. The conversation was just flowing when we were together, but some topics that we cover and are not limited to, embracing a slower paced life, learning to adapt to the unfamiliar, We talk about what a wildpreneur is, listening and trusting your body to help guide you in the right direction, the possibility that it might not be a good thing to have too many mentors, the one thing to do to help find more clarity, finding the best approach if you're looking to start a business and it might not always be jumping right into it and being comfortable with being alone. Yikes, I know that's not an easy one. But without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. So to fill the listeners in, Tamara and I met, oh, probably almost four years ago at the birth of connecting and discussing about doing a retreat at Tailwind Jungle Lodge, which Tamara and her family are the proud owners of. It's deep in the jungle near Puerto Vallarta in a small, near a small town called San Pancho. And it's this magical healing place that I had the honor of doing my first retreat at. And, you know, Tamara and I we connected right away. And Tamara, it was so interesting because I actually had found your lodge on another retreat, maybe yogaretreats.com or whatever one of those sites were, book yoga retreats. And I saw someone else who was actually doing a retreat at Tailwind. And I looked at it and I don't get this too often, but I looked at your website and I watched the video on the homepage and all I thought was, this is where I'm doing my first retreat. I knew it right away. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And Tamara and I had the pleasure of, you know, coordinating, building our, this dream retreat for myself. And in the process, I really got to know Tamara and her journey. And Tamara, I would love for you to share a little bit more so our listeners can understand your journey and how you started embarking on this self-development, self-discovery journey for yourself. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to share. And I have done some thinking about this based on having just written a book about my experience. The question of where it all began can sometimes be a little bit abstract. I'm sure going back, (laughs) when did that? I didn't have just one aha moment. I think my upbringing was very much about the wildpreneur philosophy, which I'm gonna explain shortly here, but kind of the same approach that you have with the soul compass, which is to be the CEO of your life. And so I was raised by parents that are extremely free spirited and kind of Mm -hmm. non-status quo, if you will. And so I grew up homeschooled in Central and Latin America and doing these very long distance endurance trips in the wilderness. So we biked from Jackson Hole, Wyoming to El Paso, Texas was a couple thousand miles one summer and 
you know, did these long backpacking trips. And so it was very much about life outside and designing your own life. And so that would be kind of the early stages. And then I studied abroad, ecotourism and sustainable development in Australia, and was really inspired by eco lodges in Australia. They know what they're doing over there with the whole permaculture and design. And it was pretty trendy. This was 2005. And so I returned to Middlebury College in Vermont where I was studying. And I said, well, I want to write up a business plan for an eco-lodge. And it was just kind of, you know, a wild idea at that point. And I did. I took a class called Entrepreneurship 101 and uh, wrote up a pretty rough business plan, which is kind of comedy to look back on it now. And the most useful part of that process was just researching other eco-lodges, you know, and figuring out, okay, what have people done that's working? What have people done that's not working? What would possibly suit our style? And I guess tying that back into the family equation, my dad had always thought of having a family business. He just liked the idea of working together because we've always been a really close family, but he had really no idea what that would be. He's <laughs> like, yeah, this family business thing, we're going to do it. He's like, oh yeah, okay, what kind of business? And so I kind of took his idea and gave it some shape with this business plan and I pitched it to my parents at graduation weekend. It was my very formal PowerPoint presentation, right? I was, you know, 21, 22. And they said, okay, let's do it. And so then I got the thumbs up from them. They had just purchased this beautiful piece of land in Mexico, which they had kind of thought of as just a retirement, you know, family vacation opportunity. And so I got the thumbs up from them to do this project. And at the same time, I also received a job offer from Wall Street to do some work with their sustainability policy, actually with Goldman Sachs. And so that was kind of my fork in the road, right? That was 22. And I had to decide between going to start this jungle lodge with my family or going to Wall Street and pursuing this kind of high powered career And I did sit with it for a couple of weeks. My close friends will tell you that I kind of wrestled with the whole, you know, this is a pretty major (laughs) decision to make. Having never really had a job before, it's kind of, you don't really know what you're in for. And so ultimately, the question that I had to ask was, you know, what will I regret more? And it was definitely the clear response was, I will regret it if I don't go and give this jungle lodge a try. This is kind of my chance. I can always go back to, you know, cities and big careers. And so that's the beginning of that journey. This will be our 13th season in the jungle. I can't believe it's already been that many years. Crazy, right? I agree. I'm 36 now, about to have a baby. The next generation of jungle life. Yes, jungle (laughs) baby is coming through. I cannot wait to meet this jungle child. (laughs) I I agree. It's already a little athlete in there. It's the magic and the mystery of it all. Well, one, I need to point out, I love that your parents were so on board for this journey. You must have been a really responsible kid because the amount of ideas that I've brought to my parents, I'm like, okay, that's great, Bettina. (laughs) That's such a good observation. And it's interesting to think about because our roles have been a little bit reversed. In some ways, I've been kind of more of a parent. (laughs) I've always been that, you know, organized kind of Turbo Tam, they used to call me in, in college, was just very focused. And that's actually been one of my greater lessons in the jungle and in Mexican culture. The manana culture is 
sort of the process of letting go of control a little bit. <laughs> Oftentimes, I don't know if you find this, but we either like we slowly become our parents in some way but I think sometimes when you witness something growing up and you're like why are they doing something like this you kind of go in the opposite direction and LT Gray and Judy are definitely free spirits from what I remember in the jungle (laughs) oh yes they have big personalities and they're just life lovers and you know I don't even want to paint this picture that all of this process has been rainbows and butterflies. Of course, you have been able to live in the jungle and, you know, in the summers you're living in Colorado and going to Quebec in Canada and you have this beautiful life. And is that the reality that it's all rainbows and butterflies? Because this is a big thing I try and tell my students and my listeners that it's not. So I want to hear your perspective. Yeah, you know, and I'm so grateful to have people ask me that question because it can appear very romantic. The whole Sustemi Robinson kind of jungle lifestyle retreat center. And a lot of it is beautiful, you know, and glamorous, I suppose. But a lot of it is really not. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, chapter two of my book is about getting dirty. And really the jungle knocked me down super hard within a couple years. Any romantic notions I had of this eco- chic kind of boutique retreat center were definitely torn apart in a good way. You know, I think the jungle tore me apart so that it could build me up stronger, but it took a lot of letting go and learning those lessons and lessons that I didn't necessarily understand at the time. You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Now I look back on it, I go, oh, that would have been so much easier if I had just understood what I needed to learn instead of being so attached to the vision that I went in with. Yeah, rainbows and butterflies, we have them in the jungle. (laughs) But there's also a whole lot of mud and insects, you know, and there's plenty of challenge. And I think that's part of what I loved about the journey and probably why I'm still doing it. And I think probably a lot of entrepreneurs, wildpreneurs like yourself, the challenge is part of the beauty of it. And if it was easy every day, then it's not quite as interesting, right? It's not making you grow as a person. No, I can completely relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's why some people sort of get stuck in these comfortable nine to five jobs is it's more predictable. It's not maybe not a huge challenge. That's not true for some people. But I think the whole like being within your comfort zone works for some. And for others, it can be just the place you get stuck and feel limited. And then the inspiration stops flowing. And it's kind of this stagnant place. And so call me a glutton for punishment or whatever you want to call it. I think also helpful to have a seasonal business where we are only open in the jungle from November until May, which is the dry season. And there are actually a lot more rainbows and butterflies versus the summer where it's just raining torrentially and the road is a mess and the bugs are alive. And so having that pause annually has been a really good chance for reflection and digestion of the whole season and then setting new intentions going forward with the coming year. So you get a chance to catch your breath and then go back in. That's awesome. And well, my question for you is what is the biggest lesson that you've learned over the last 13 years? I might answer differently from day to day based on whatever I'm processing at the moment. (laughs) But I think the ability to adapt has been a huge one. 
because I think the wildpreneur journey in general is about embarking into the unknown. You know, when you design your life, when you're the CEO of your own life, you don't necessarily know what's coming. And so to be willing to adapt and flow and be flexible with whatever comes, you know, rise to the challenges, I think that that is really crucial. Because if you have a really rigid idea of how it's going to go, you're kind of doomed to fail. Because <laughs> inevitably, that's not how life goes. No. And I love that you brought this up because in a way, I started on this wildpreneur journey and I thought I had control. I didn't have to listen to anyone. I made my own schedule, yet like you so beautifully shared, it's like it's not what you expect. It's it's not the simple path sometimes and really it's not. And it's been a huge learning curve. Yeah, it's been one of the biggest lessons. I always say entrepreneurship and self-discovery go hand in hand because you have to face all (laughs) your biggest demons, uh, failure, like everything. It's just in your face. And there's no one else often, especially if you're a solopreneur and you run your own business and maybe you don't have a full team, you really are face to face with sometimes like your biggest shadows and it's it's not easy but it also forces you to look at it and and move through it absolutely that's really well put so what is a wildpreneur lifestyle what is your definition so a wildpreneur essentially is a free spirit who is turning their passion into business that's kind of the tagline we've got on the book cover that said I think passion is a word that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And as I have thought more about it, I think it's more about pursuing what makes you come alive. Passion, purpose, inspiration, these all play a role in life as a wildpreneur. And I think it's just, as you've covered in so many of your recent podcasts, it's tuning into your intuition and flowing. And I think being aligned with that purpose And then things as a wildpreneur seem to flow much more easily. And it can take a while to figure that out. You know, it's easy to get out of the flow. (laughs) Yeah. But then having the time and the space and the freedom, you know, to step aside, to slow down and pause and think, okay, what's wrong? Why am I fighting against the current all of a sudden? And how do I get back on track? And so life as a wildpreneur is about designing your life professionally and personally. And being mindful, you know, proceeding with intention and kind of assessing on a daily basis, is this what I should be doing? Is this what I want to be doing so that you're aligned with that flow? Because then I think life just has this beautiful rhythm to it. That's what I'm always on a quest for, is finding that flow. How do you know when you're in your rhythm? I think everything just feels a little bit more easeful. It's not to say that it's not without challenge. There's definitely times when you're out of your comfort zone. But it's kind of going back to what you're saying when you led your first retreat in the jungle. It's that feeling of excitement and fear, which is kind of a beautiful combination that lets you know that you're on the right track. Um, It's those happy butterflies of, you know, they're kind of anxious and eager and you know it's the next step. That's not always super clear, but for me, it seems to be a good guideline. No, that's a beautiful indicator. I always say if you feel a little bit scared and excited all at once, that is like a personal navigation system saying, okay, I got to do this. It's like 
all of a sudden, all this energy, this rush of energy surges through your body. And even in the challenge, I like that you brought that up because, of course, still when things are exciting and you're going after your dreams, there are often many more challenges. It's like the universe wants to test you. Yeah. How badly do you want this? Listening to your body and the sensations that are coming up is such a beautiful tool to indicate when you are in alignment. Yeah, and I think a lot of synchronicities can sort of back that up or counter it. You know, I think looking for the signs, uh, you know, I have my woo-woo side for sure, but I'm also a very practical person. And (laughs) So I've just learned. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I do my share of meditation and yoga, and I'm also an ultra athlete, and I, you know, rely on the endorphin rush. And I also do a lot of reading about science and trying to figure out, you know, okay, what is the strategy here for moving forward? And so I think looking for clues and signs and connections, and you mentioned in your interview in the book about mentors and how you found that that support can make all the difference. And so I think surrounding yourself with the people that are going to support you on the path that you choose can also be a huge factor in ultimately in your success. You know, it's so funny. I'm like, did I say that? (laughs) You did. You also said too many mentors can be too many cooks in the kitchen. So I think there's a balance there. Yeah, (laughs) there is a balance. And that is a huge lesson that I've learned. I had too many mentors all at once. And I didn't know who to listen to. So tuning into you, I think, has been the biggest one. Uh, Just like you said, having that spaciousness between the seasons gives you that personal time for reflection and being able to see what's working, what's not working, what's taking up your energy, but not bringing you an abundance in some sort of way in return. It's, yeah, so important. So important. Yeah, for me, it's been... I think the only way that we can keep the lodge going. Also, hospitality can be a very (laughs) full-time energetic output. And so it's a good system for everyone to have the hosts, myself and my parents, take a break. And now we go back into our season feeling refreshed and recharged and excited to meet all these incredible people, these adventurers and free spirits that come through the lodge. I love it. So for those of you who are listening, you are kind of getting little snippets of what this Wildpreneur book is all about. So I have a little story in Wildpreneur and it's filled with different Wildpreneur experiences. Do you have any examples that you'd like to share of a Wildpreneur lifestyle that really stood out to you uh, that you could give as an example? There are so many examples. I've interviewed wildpreneurs all across North America and now reaching out globally. And there's just this movement alive of people who have these ideas, these creative visions. You know, it could be anything from becoming a surfing instructor to building skis to becoming a freelance writer, a yoga teacher. I'm sure you have a lot of those in your network. Life coaches, organic farmers. The digital nomad movement is a big one too. Some of the people interviewed in my book have a business called Where's My Office Now? And they've been traveling in their VW van, I think, for the last five years or so. And they've just made a career out of sending reports from the road and telling people about the challenges and the the way to approach van life, you know? And so there's just so many ways to play the game of life. 
I think one of my early inspirations around the wildpreneur concept was not only my own experience, but that of those in San Pancho. There seem to be so many unique international personalities that end up coming to this little town and just saying, hey, I want to start up this cool taco stand or this cerveceria, which is, you know, the little brewery, whatever it may be, there's all kinds of cool little shops. And in Mexico, it's also a lot easier to get started. (laughs) You know, I think there's a little bit less red tape, but the whole theme is transferable globally. And so there's so many ways to do it. And there's not just one specific wildpreneur story that I can think of right now that I would say this is the one because there's just so many beautiful options. Well, I cannot wait to get my hands on this book. For people who are interested in embarking on a wildpreneur journey, what questions might they ask themselves before diving in? Yeah. The book is really a guidebook. It's a blueprint and it offers stepping stones. And so the first chapter is called Baja Daydreamer because part of the story that I haven't shared with you yet is after I wrote that business plan at Middlebury in college, my dad was then turning 60 and he said, well, for my 60th birthday, I want to do this two-month kayaking trip down the Baja Peninsula, which is the Sea of Cortez in Mexico. And at first I was really resistant to the idea. I said, well, this is not, you know, why aren't we just going to the jungle and getting started? And he said, well, no, we have this opportunity. We have time. And this is what I want to do for my 60th. And so being the dutiful daughter (laughs) that I am, I said, okay, you know, this sounds like brutal, but let's do it. And my younger brother joined us. And it was just such an incredibly transformative trip for me because, again, uh, it was all about letting go. And you have to surrender the Baja, for those of you that have been there will know, it's in a place of extremes, just extreme wilderness, extreme beauty, and extreme elements. And that trip was all about spending hours and hours and hours of time on the water. And the water really gave me permission to daydream, you know, and think about, okay, what is it that we really want to create in the jungle? And so what I would say, step one is to do some daydreaming, you know, which I think, unfortunately, in society, daydreaming is considered not always a positive thing. It's like, get your head out of the clouds, you know, focus on your projects, keep the momentum going, productivity. And I would say, if you do have an idea you're toying with, give it some time, spend some time on a retreat or in the wilderness or whatever your happy place may be, and just daydream visualize, you know, imagine what your life could be like if you were living aligned with your purpose and your flow. And just that's the step one, I would say. That's beautiful. You had a a beautiful list of questions that you had sent me. And I hesitate to say them, but they were so good that I'm gonna I'm gonna read them off of (laughs) Yeah. But some questions would be to ask yourself what makes you come alive? What makes me come alive? Where do I find inspiration? How could I turn this into a business? How can I realistically get started? And what is holding me back? And oftentimes, we really get stuck on what is holding me back. That's a big one, right? There's usually a lot of factors and elements. And I think to help people digest that step a little bit, I don't think you have to go for the big game right away. 
if that makes sense. You know, I think a lot of people are afraid to completely let go of the life they're living, even if it's uncomfortable and they're not happy in it, whatever it may be. There's all kinds of reasons to be afraid and stuck. And so then I would say, take a baby step in the right direction. You know, can you start your wild idea in a small way and just taste it a little bit, which I would say is a good thing in general. Instead of going all in, you know, give it a, give a sample. <laughs> Go small and, and just gently ease yourself in that direction because it only takes a step or two to get started and then a lot of times the momentum kicks in. Yeah, and I, I talk with friends about this all the time because even for me, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but my background is in design. So I went to OCAD University for graphic. Well, I was in advertising, but you learn how to pretty much do graphic design <laughs> during that process. And design had always been my bread and butter. When I started Wonderful Soul in 2014, it was about two years before I actually started building it and making it a business. I started with the branding. I had fun. I wanted to inspire people to, you know, take care of their mental and emotional well-being, to go on transformational experiences. And that started with inspiring people on social media. That started with having my own blog. You know, I wasn't getting a return on these things, but it was creating momentum and I had so much passion doing it and it was fueling me in a different way that design necessarily wasn't. And then I did my first retreat in November of 2016 at Tailwind. So you were you were part of this, Tamara, and, and it's so interesting to see where it can take you because I wanted to build this business from an authentic place so I didn't sacrifice the quality of the content, bombarding people with sponsorship. And, and you know, I, I really wanted to make this pure and focused. So when there was momentum, you know, it would be coming from an authentic place. Yeah. And it took you three years to write this book. It took me really two years to start seeing a return on my investment, investment of time, investment in finances and energy. And you don't have to take that leap. And I love that you bring this up because design is that bread and butter. And if you're in a nine to five, you don't have to quit your job and, you know, leap into something else. And, you know, if you love a fire under your ass, excuse my language, <laughs> then, yeah. then maybe that's how you do it. Cause you know, you're just like, you got to get it done. But I think for both of us, we are a little bit, we like control. So I could only imagine how that tempting wall street job was for you at age 22 uh -huh. <laughs> and having that security is important. You know, I like you have bills to pay, you have finances. Like if you have kids, that's a whole other story, but you don't have to take that big leap. Like Tamara was suggesting, you can stick in your job, your nine to five, but hey, is there a way that you can take these baby steps? Like asking yourself, how can I step forward into my passion a little bit more each day? I just know for myself, and I'll speak for myself, not for you, Tamara, but like the more I take those steps and when I started taking those steps, those are when I felt most alive. 
Yeah. And, you know, I still was confused, like, what is my purpose? And I feel like purpose can change from time to time. Now Tamara's going to be a new mom soon, <laughs> and her purpose is going to change even more. Yeah. But it's those little steps that make you feel like you're building something that's greater than you and helping to serve people at the end of the day. So I just wanted, I wanted to share that story. No, that's beautiful. And it just made me think of the value in a slow and steady approach. You know, it's not the best fit for everybody, for, but for my family, my dad and my mom being the fun loving free spirits that they are, they really wanted to design our business. So we always had time to play. It's kept us going. I think without that, we would have collapsed a long time ago because you burnout is a real thing when you're running your own show. And so the slow and steady approach, just like lessons from nature, you know, if for those of you that are familiar with biomimicry, and I actually have a chapter devoted to this too, the biggest things in nature started out tiny. You know, you think about a big tree and the acorns are falling all over in Quebec right now. An acorn turns into a giant oak tree, but think about how long that takes. It also is a wonderful way to approach the trial and error. You know, one of the Wildpreneur philosophies that I've really embraced is the art of artful mistake making. <laughs> because, I love that. Oh my gosh, I'm a master, you know, and it's the only way to be is not to think of it as failure. It's just one more stepping stone, one more lesson, and they're going to keep coming. So you might as well embrace that and just become a master of artful mistake making. I love that artful mistake making. It's so true. And when you can shift your mindset from, you know, why is this happening to me versus why is this happening for me? It's usually a little nudge in the direction of where you're actually meant to be going. Exactly. And that's also what we were talking about is feeling aligned with your your purpose and your flow. And that's one of those signals. Why is this happening for me? That's a good question to be asking for sure. It's such a good one. That one was a game changer for my mindset because I dwelled too long in things when they didn't work out. And I thought it was the end of the world. It's like my life is collapsing and then you just become more and more resilient as time goes on. You do. You get a thicker skin for sure. I, you know, that's part of blazing your own trail through business too, is learning that you're not going to please everyone and that's okay. So to get a little bit tough is also part of the journey. And people pleasing. We talk about this all <laughs> oh, the time on yes. here. It's such a big one. Often our decisions aren't even for us. They're to make other people happy. And of course, there are times where you got to go to a wedding shower or a baby shower. <laughs> <laughs> but like, because you love people and the people in your life. But there are times, especially when it comes to your business, that, you know, it's not going to please everyone, but you got to do what feels right for you in an ethical way, of course. That's a huge one. And that shift in doing things for your business and ultimately how can you serve people even more, you have to listen to you. Yeah. And that's kind of part of the wildpreneur philosophy that I've arrived at over the years is a holistic approach because what ended up happening for me or to me <laughs> both actually was around year three of living in the jungle. I was then 25 you know, the lodge was small. We started small, as I said. And so we were hosting about nine, 10 people. And we had just hosted our first retreat. 
and I had no personal boundaries. I was living in a tent, first of all. We, <laughs> we <laughs> seriously no boundaries. We went the extreme shoestring approach, and which was fine for me at the time, you know. And I actually write about in my book quite extensively the question of what is enough, you know, because I think as wellpreneurs we do tend to be good at roughing it and shoestringing, but for how long is that sustainable? You can't compromise your personal needs. You can to a point, but then it starts to become extreme and unhealthy. And then you're starting to lose the holistic approach, which one piece of that is to invest in yourself and to take care of yourself along the way, which I think is easily forgotten as we put everything into our businesses. Yeah. And so around year three, I had a pretty major collapse, you know, just lacking of energy hospitality had kicked my ass, excuse me, but it really had, I'd never done anything like that before. And so I decided I stayed in the jungle for the summer for several months alone. And I took my own little personal retreat and I realized a few things. One of them was, first of all, I needed to have another job because I wasn't making enough money to sustain myself. And second of all, I didn't know how to take care of myself. And this is something that is so lacking in our education. You know, early on in high school, I was definitely a victim of the beauty magazines and the dieting fads and all that. And then going into another culture, I was just so confused about what to eat and how to take care of me that I just sort of decided not to think about it. Oh, it's fine. You know, I'm just going to power through. And so when I crashed, I realized I needed some guidance. And I actually went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is a holistic nutrition program. And it really saved me. I got much needed clarity around bioindividuality and how to listen to your body and take care of yourself. And I also learned how to be a health coach. And so I was able to fulfill two needs. I did some health coaching from the lodge and I was able to take care of myself. And so that kind of turned into my side hustle. <laughs> you know, the lodge was my primary deal. And then I was able to take on another job that I did for several years until the lodge started making enough financial income for me to support myself in a healthy and sustainable way. You know, just to keep your mind open to different approaches as far as how to fund your dream, there are many different ways to play that game. Yeah, and from what I'm hearing, and this is also a reminder for myself, if you don't put yourself as a priority on your to-do list, this is when burnout and overwhelm, stress happens. And thank you for sharing that story. It's a big one. It's like we can get so consumed in building our dream that we neglect ourselves. Yeah. And taking that time for you, even if it's 10 minutes of alone time for you to meditate or take a walk in nature or whatever that looks like for you and making yourself a priority. Because if you're not well, your business is not going to do well. No, exactly. Without that life force and that energy, then you can't possibly be in alignment with your flow. They go together. Self-care and life as a wildpreneur are definitely interconnected. Uh, they are. And for you, is there a mantra or an affirmation that you use to get you through a day or through a hard time? You know, that has changed over the years. And you haven't been in my casita in the jungle in a while, but I have these little sticky notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's actually a visualization that I have learned from Brendan Burchard. He has a book called High Performance Habits that I really enjoyed. And I quote him quite a lot in my book. 
And one of his visualizations is something that I do in the morning and then the end of the day. And I have this little sticky note taped onto my mirror. Um, and the morning is, you know, what am I looking forward to today? What is it that's going to make me come alive? What is it that makes me excited? The second one is what could throw me off? You know, what are some of the possible things that could throw me out of balance? So you kind of anticipate, okay, that might be a little bit challenging and how might I navigate that? And so visualizing in the beginning of the day, kind of how you think that might flow and not being attached to that, right? Again, it's the, not the control thing, but just setting a positive intention and a willingness to navigate these challenges yeah. personally, professionally that are inevitably going to come. And then the end of the day, visualization reflection is just what went well today and what did I do well? What maybe should I have done a little differently? What can I work on? And so that's just a little self-talk that I've found to be super helpful. And I think going into life as a mother, that's going to be a useful one also, because apparently the learning, the artful mistake making will be happening in, in a very large way. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be great if we all came out with a little manual and how we work? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe baby will come with one of those. Yeah, maybe a jungle baby has hope for that. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love it. Well, I know your book is, the pre-order is happening November 15th, 2019. And the book is actually launching on February 11th. Super exciting. Oh, yeah. Well, one, your book is important, but I also want to know, are there any books that have helped you along your journey? Ooh, so many. I've always been a passionate reader. And of late, and this is slightly off the entrepreneurship topic, but as far as working in alignment with your flow and your rhythm, I found there's a book called Lunar Abundance. And the author's name is escaping me right now. But it does, for those of you that live in a very natural environment, uh, the moon and the cycles can really be a beautiful guide for how you organize your goals and your projects. You know, when you're managing your own time, as far as working with the natural flow, just in a nutshell, kind of, you want to be working on these bigger projects and building that momentum up to full moon. And then once the full moon comes, then you kind of ride the current. And so that is a much better rhythm for me. I felt like I was fighting in some ways against the current and that's yeah. helped me a lot. So that, that's a beautiful book and trying to think of what else. Oh, well, very much inspired by Patagonia and let my people go surfing. That's been one on my family's bookshelf for many, many years. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. The whole conscious capitalism and natural capitalism and just mindful business. You know, it's, it's about family and connection and purpose and passion, but it's also about being mindful of our impact, you know, on the natural world and our communities and trying to all work together to make the world a better place. I think that's a big mantra for us. That's beautiful. And you and El Tigre, Judy, and now Walter and Jungle <laughs> Baby uh -huh. are all contributing to that. And, you know, I'm so grateful to have crossed paths with you in this lifetime. It's, it's really special. Likewise. I can't wait to see where the, the journey takes you next. Oh, you just seem to be you've very much in your flow. 
And so congratulations on everything you've created and loving this podcast. All the people on this show have so much inspiration to share. It's just beautiful. Oh, thank you. And now you're one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm honored. And uh, yeah, it's just such a joy to chat with you about things like this. It's what makes me come alive. Oh, I feel like we were definitely in flow. I got lost. I'm like looking at the time and it just flew past. (laughs) It did. Yeah. (laughs) So beautiful. Tamara, where can our listeners find you and the book once it launches? So everything book related will be at wildpreneurs.com. And so you can cruise on over to that website, which I would imagine will be in the show notes. But wildpreneurs, for those of you that have I know the word entrepreneur is often misspelled, (laughs) but it's just wild and then preneurs, P-R-E-N-E-U-R-S. So wildpreneurs.com will have everything book related. And then of course, Tailwind Jungle Lodge, which was recently designed by our beautiful host, Bettina. Um, And we are so happy with our new website. So thank you for that. You're so welcome. I look at it and it makes me so happy each time I go on. And it makes me more and more excited that I'm coming in November. Absolutely. Well, November is the beautiful time of year. The jungle is glowing green after the rain. So your timing is perfect. Oh, so excited. And, you know, for any wellness practitioners, any yoga teachers, Uh, If you're ever looking for a place to host a retreat, highly recommended my retreat, Wander In, which I host about once a year. So depending on when you're listening to this episode, the time might have already passed. But this November, November, I believe 8th to 15th, will be at Tailwind for the Wander In retreat, which is all about connecting tuning in to where you're blocked, what's holding you back from living your best life. And it's really about helping you become the CEO of your life. And I'm super excited to see you in the jungle, Tamara. Yeah, we'll see what the jungle teaches us next, right? Oh my goodness. I'm waiting (laughs) for the lessons. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. Remember, to stay inspired in between our episodes, you can head on over to Instagram and follow us at Your Soul Compass and at Wonderful Soul. For free meditations and mindfulness guides, you can head over to WonderfulSoul.com. And please don't forget to hit subscribe in your podcast player so you never miss an episode. And please, 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 if this content delighted you, leave us a note telling us on iTunes. I read every one of these personally, and your feedback really helps me grow the show and produce the type of content you find valuable. Thank you, you beautiful soul, for dedicating time to your self-discovery journey. Not only are you contributing to your own mental and emotional well-being, but you are contributing to a healthier, more harmonious world and raising the consciousness of our planet. You are amazing and beautiful, just as you are. Thank you for being part of our journey, and thank you for letting us become part of yours.